Hello, and welcome to the podcast. And I first want to start this off by prefacing to all the Saudi listeners that I'm going to have on here, uh, specifically Saudi females. Stay strong. You guys are, you women, I'm sorry, you women are the strongest women I have ever met. And all of you, please uh, keep your spirits high and keep pulling through that hell that you're living in. Because I know very intimately just how bad it is for you all over there. And we are going to make sure your stories, your voices, and everything is heard. And you will not be forgotten. Uh, even if these hashtags die, do not think for a moment that we have forgotten about you. And we care very sincerely about you, myself, many of my followers. We care about this. This is the largest uh, female human rights movement I can think of that is completely ignored. And the rights are supposed to be given within Islam, and they're not even given in with, with Islam in, in this, it's it's tribal customs. It's not uh, Islamic. It's a bitter uh, innovation on a Wali rule for fucking marriage. So, you know, just stay strong. Um, there's going to be a segment in the podcast where I talk about what I think, when this will end. Uh, and I give it around two to eight years at most. Uh, but I understand that's a long time. But that uh, that's much sooner than... A lot of other people are going to think, uh, but we are we're not going to let another generation suffer like this. So, with that being said, let me explain to those who do not know what I'm talking about. I'm specifically talking about the male guardianship laws in Saudi Arabia. They are really, really fucking bad, uh, and it is hard to quantify just how fucking bad they are. So let's let's go through and explaining them. But you basically need permission to do almost anything major in your life. Uh, to get inheritance, a majority of people will need uh, permission. Uh, to leave the country, you will need permission. To fly and travel abroad, you will need permission. To get on a plane, you will need permission. To, on your way to go to... Bahrain or UAE, you will go through three checkpoints, uh, of which where they will verify that you have received permission from your male guardian, quote-unquote, uh, which is a euphemism for owner. That is what the euphemism is there for. You are owned by the men over there. And one can really... Uh, you, you'll see throughout these stories. I have 16 stories from Saudi women that I'm going to be sharing with you guys. And each each one of them... No matter how small or insignificant you think they are, or retrospectively how large or colossal they are, each one is a story of a woman with some kind of dreams and aspirations in her life that she will never, ever, ever, ever be able to acquire under the system. And it is entirely important that people understand just how awful, just how awful this system is, because it is putrid. Um, and yeah, it can be okay for some people, especially if, if they're lucky enough to have a uh, male guardian that genuinely uh, cares and loves about them and doesn't think they know better than them and doesn't think that uh, 
you know, that women are to submit and to obey men, but a lot of people are not so lucky. So with that being said, I'm going to read you a list of some of the things that you need male guardianship uh, to do. So number one, go to school. Number two, go to work. Number three, travel even if it's for receiving treatment. This means if you're getting in the ambulance, you need to have your male guardian with you. Marriage, a male family plus a male family member could uh, divorce a couple. Uh, number five, issue a national ID and uh, ID card. Number six, issue a passport, although I believe I've heard that this one is, is abolished, but I'm not entirely sure. Number seven, study abroad. Uh, number eight, call the police on domestic violence acts. You need a, a male guardian. Uh, if it's the one, if the male guardian is abusing you and uh, that's the person you're calling it on, then you need to have a different male guardian, meaning your brother or your father. Uh, rent a car, which is <laughs> funny. Uh, fun fact, uh, not only can they not drive, but when they get uh, pulled over and taken to jail, they get taken to jail for not having a license to drive. <laughs> But they won't issue the licenses to the women. It's just really funny. Um, housing. Leaving school before 12 p.m. Leaving a shelter or prison. Uh, so but by this, this means if you've gotten punished for something, uh, like some Sharia, whatever uh, rule, you get taken to a prison, um, or whatever they want to call it, and uh, you will stay there until your male guardian comes in person to pick you up. That is that is how that's going to go. You can't leave and then uh, call a taxi. Um, you, no, you you wait there until your male guardian's there. So your male guardian is a factor in how long you're going to be in jail for. Elective surgical operations, going out of the house, going into the ambulance, firefighters entering the house. Um, I'm not entirely sure if 16 still applies anymore, but I'm told it does. So I'm not, you know, maybe it doesn't. Uh, 17 organ donations. Things that you need a male or guardian or a male family member for. Uh, court firing, uh, filing complaints on an abusing father. Two, to create a business, which is, this is hilarious, ironic, and stupid, because this is something that the prophet's wife did without permission from a male. Um, she was uh, a merchant of some kind. I, I don't quite remember. His first wife was very, very rich, very, very uh, successful um, business lady. And uh, he respected her very greatly. So it's very ironic that they've, uh, they've twisted those tables. Um, notary needed for two males to identify a woman. Oh, yeah. Uh, women cannot get an ID card without two males um, uh, saying that it's, it's true. And I think um, there's something with that in marriage. You need like six people for a marriage or four people or something like that. To, you need two people to... Um, to confirm the marriage or something, and then you need two people to confirm those two people's identities. Um, legal agency, women can't verify ID or be a witness. Um, some also interesting facts is women get half of the inheritance uh, that they that their male counterparts go because uh, the Quran says that women are worth half or something like that. And then on top of that, um, in some cases, many cases, you can't even pull out that inheritance without a male guardian present. So if you want to take whatever is rightfully yours, and then leave the country, not only is that incredibly impossible, um, but it's incredibly difficult too. So like finances to get out of the country, you have to get a male permission. Um, and to get out of the country, you need to get male permission. Um, so this leaves for 
many, many, many difficult reasons why it's hard to get out of that country, but I'll go over the ways that you can get out of that country um, in a, uh, at a later segment towards this podcast. But now that you understand how uh, systematic this incredible misogynistic system is, uh, let's go over these 16 stories and let's embrace and um, and savor this amount of suffering and realize that this is going on with virtually no opposition in the global community. The UN just made a little campaign for it, and that that really got word of mouth on this moving again. But um, it's it's despicable that people don't understand how how systematic this is. To give you an example, these women are being, in some cases, so let me preface that, in some cases, some cases it's very good, some cases it's very bad. These women are being treated like glorified dogs in some cases. What do I mean by that? I mean, some people love their dogs. Some people treat their dogs really, really well. Some people let their dogs run around and, and you know, whatever, mate with whoever they want to mate, go wherever they want to go, um, live their lives the way that they see fit. And some people don't. Some people don't love their dogs that much. Some people like giving orders to their dogs, and they want their dogs to do tricks, and they want their dogs to listen to their commands. They want their dogs to sit when they're told to sit, and they want their dogs to obey their command. And if they don't obey those commands, they will get their permissions, quote-unquote, or they'll get uh, themselves put into a cage, and they will get yelled at, and they will get hit, and they will get yelled at, and screamed at, and hollered at, until they do uh, obey. And then you can have some permissions. So if you want to treat like traveling abroad, or if you want to treat like going to school abroad, if you want to treat like working like a normal human being, you need to obey my commands. Just because I know better than you, because I own you, because you're a piece of my property. Um, they won't say that, but it is no different than that. And I really don't care what uh, semantical semantics you want to play on this kind of stupidity. That is what the system is. You are telling women, you don't know how to make decisions. You are too stupid to make decisions. You are not equal to me. You do not get the same rights as me. You are a very, very large child, or you are a very, very, very large animal, to whom which I control, to whom which I could get sent back to my government if you managed to get away from me and didn't get married, okay, or get asylum. So that is the system that we are speaking about right now. So with that uh, prefaced, let's get these stories started. When I was in high school, I was ambitious. I wanted to graduate and get a scholarship to study abroad and to go to medical school. But when I graduated and got the scholarship, my father refused that I'd go to study abroad because I'm a girl. I felt crushed, sick of life, and lost. My father, the man who stood against us, against our dreams, and against our ambitions, with all his energy and the control he has over us, he threw us out of our home and refused to give us any allowance. I went on uh, to studying programming at, in an institute, and I got a job so I could pay for its fees, which are very expensive for a girl that has no other source of income. 
I suffered a lot from men at work. They sexually harassed me and verbally harassed me. After a, a lot of suffering, I couldn't take it anymore, so I quit my job, and I graduated. I've endured so much, and I've had enough. I don't want to suffer from males anymore, starting with my father who divorced our mother when we were very young, neglected her and forbade us from living our lives. When I was a child, he divorced her and took all of her papers, so she could suffer and we would suffer with her. I didn't see any escape from this life but to focus on studying and hope for scholarship to study abroad, which he took away from me, forbade me from. After all what has happened, I now hate men. I no longer want to go outside. I'm suffering from agor agoraphobia, agoraphobia, and I'm living on sedatives. I no longer feel safe in Saudi Arabia. I made this account just to talk to you, but please keep it private. My story started from the beginning of my childhood. I can't stop thinking about that night I woke up feeling him touching me on the bottom of my body. My eyes were awake. My heart was beating loud. And he didn't know that. My big brother, the one who was supposed to protect me because I was a child and I didn't do anything, and I didn't show him that, I'm awake, I, I stopped breathing. And because of that, he continued doing that every night. Once I was sitting with my mother, I tried to tell her the idea of... I tried to tell her of this. And she said the idea of it will tear down the family was the reason why I didn't talk, and he didn't stop doing it. Once we were in a park, and he put me on him, and he asked me why we have different genitalia, touching me and laughing, I finally screamed and ran away from him. To the one I thought who will be saving me from the suffering, I grow up. At 18 years old, my father died because of a car accident, and the old brother was my new male guardian to take care of me, the, the family of women. I learned to be brave. He was getting crazy on us if we didn't give him money. He doesn't work in his old age. I always stand in front of him when he tried to hit our mom. I, I prefer to take the pain instead of her. He threatened me with a weapon. I bleed once from the bottom of my body. He pushed me, iron sharped. I didn't show up on school for days. There is a lot of things that I tried to tell you, but it's painful, destroying my stories, and my English doesn't help at all. The idea of living as a Saudi woman is that we are always scared of men. It is our nightmare. Social media will never be fair with us. No one of them in this country has to look terrible to the other countries. No one wants to look terrible to the other country. Sorry, this is really difficult to read. Uh, if a woman got raped, they blame her. Why is that? Now, if they give me my rights, I can't forget my past. I will always feel unsafe. I can't run away. Because they raised us to shut up. I'm not the only one. I can't believe that all the pain we go through is just because an idea in the man head... Our lives is up to them. Our faces is a shame. Our voices are a shame. I will never forgive anyone. Stop shouting on our nights. Everyone knows. We're not the liars. You're the liars. God sees it all. If people give up on us, I wish he doesn't. 
My mother was growing tired of my liberal and feminist views and outrageous desire to get a master's and PhD someday. My father told me he would be taking me to a hospital in another city for my asthma. I believed him. It was a mental institution in Damam, and I stayed there for 14 days with mentally ill women screaming, pissing on the floor, one twisted my arm and not knowing when I would leave. Although the doctors knew I was sane, I would only be released by a guardian. When I was released, I begged to know why this had happened. I was told it was to teach a lesson. I was taken out of university for a year and forced to care for my half-siblings in order to make me understand what role I am for, an obedient and submissive housewife. I still get nightmares, I jump at loud noises, and at 27, I will never feel safe again. This shouldn't have happened to me. That's right. It shouldn't have. You said you will not show my name, so please don't show my name. This is my story. I am a PhD student, and I have to marry my cousin, who is six years younger than me, with no education, not even high school, just because my family wants that. Every day I question myself, why do I keep going on in this difficult PhD, when I know that as soon as I finish, my prize will be marrying someone that I do not physically nor mentally desire, just because I have to. When I hear the other girls went wants the freedom for education or to travel, and I think I really, I think what I really want is just having the ownership of my body, deciding myself which man I like. It's been really so long that I did not feel happiness in my life. I am very successful in my study, but in my community, if I do not get married and make lots of babies, then I am a failure, even if I have won the Nobel Prize. Thank you. I'm 29, and I'm from Saudi, and I'm a female. I live in a small village a hundred kilometers away from Riyadh with my abusive narcissist father. My parents are divorced, and I was not permitted to see my mom since the age of eight. He's very sick. He beats me if I try to speak up. He tries to humiliate me every day of my life. And I have never felt what love and care are while growing up. He was very low respect for women in general, and he enjoys torturing them and thinking it makes him more of a man. We are not allowed to leave the house completely, and if we do leave the house, it has to be very planned. I would say we leave the house five times a year. The good part of this story is that I was given per permission to pursue my education, only because he thought it would improve my chances of me getting married. Even though I was admitted to bad and small schools, I was very interested in education and taught myself where at, whenever I could. When I graduated from college, he did not allow me to work for one year because he wanted me to work in schools nearby so he could have control over me. Fortunately, I was able to convince him to take an opportunity in Riyadh, and that was the best thing I have ever done. I told him that the offer is at the place 100% female. He believed me. That was not true. I wanted to start a career for myself, and that only happens in multinational companies. Also, I needed to mention that I'm agnostic and agnostic and fully reject Islam. I don't cover my face, and believe me when I say he would burn me alive if he knew that. Now, I have six years of experience, and I'm a marketing 
manager at a very big company in Saudi Arabia and throughout the world. Throughout these six years, he's forbidden me to go to work multiple times. I had to beg and cry and make one of my brothers talk to him every time. Work is the only place I go to, and it's the only reason why I'm still sane. He allows me to go there in a big old bus filled with other girls. For that, I have to wake up at 5 in the morning and come back at 8 p.m. That's because I work in Riyadh, and I have other girls I have to drop on my way. A marketing manager who has to do this every day? I won't lie, though. I enjoy it. And even if it took me 10 hours to get there, my working hours are from 8 to 5. On the way, I can go to the hospital if I wanted, go shopping, and see a bit of the city if I wanted. But I need to make sure that I get home on time with the same driver. He is threatening me constantly that he will not allow me to go anymore. Two months ago, he said that he will give me four months to find a job in my village. Also, he is such a furious driver on the fact that I'm not married yet. I was fortunate enough that not a lot of guys proposed yet. I was able to reject them despite all the fear that he would hurt me. He didn't for a while, but he got tired, he gets tired easily. The last man who proposed said he did not like my job and wanted me to stay at home. I was also always positive that, oh fuck, one day something will happen. Maybe I'm going to find the perfect guy who is open-minded and nice and everything will change, and that day never came. I talked to the lawyers, and they made me lose faith in everything even more. I want to live with my mom, but they said if I sued my dad, there's no guarantee that we would win, and that he could report me to the police. Also, my mom is scared of him, and she doesn't want me to cause her any trouble. That made our troubling relationship even worse. I met a guy over a year ago, and he changed my world. I loved how he made me feel all safe. I met him online, and he lives in Riyadh. Despite all the fear of from getting caught and all the drama, we continued to see each other. I would leave early, and so did he, and we would meet in his compound. I was crazy enough to sneak out many times from, from his house, uh, get a car, and go to his place. My dad wouldn't know because he thought we were. Well, I was sleeping, and in the morning I was supposed to be at work. I, I had relations with him, and you know how dangerous that is. And all I can say is that I don't regret it. He is a good man. His boss threatened to fire him if he continues to see me. His compound banned me from getting in. We can only see each other for ten minutes of the day random in a random street nearby. And that's it. I can see the frustration in his eyes, and I feel dead. He wants to marry me, but my dad would never approve of him. I thought about running away, but my dad has my passport, and I can't even travel without permission. I tried bribing people, I tried getting a fake marriage, I tried marrying a gay person. I would even go to ISIS if that means I could get out of here and leave ISIS later on. I'm sorry, but I'm desperate. I talked to many organizations asking for help. I talked to embassies, and I even wrote the, a letter to the king. Lovely. Just fucking lovely. I'm a Saudi woman who got married in so young age. I, I was 16 by then. It was hard journey for me. I begged for everything in my life. I begged for my education and for my transportation. You have no idea what kind of daily suffering 
we have to go through to get through every day just to get to our jobs or to do anything in our life because everything is in the hands of men. I'm 40 now, still can't do the simplest things in my life to live independently. I know nothing about the outside world. I have no real experience to manage my own life. We are prohibited to deal with men, so we have to wait for our mahram to do everything for us. That's uh, male, uh, guardian, another word for it, I think. Or I think it's just guardian. Um, I can't get divorced from my abusive husband. I can't travel. I can't even get rid of my father's power over me. And I can't even post anything in Twitter after being caught so many times. So I changed my account and locked it. Imagine that. I'm afraid. And what made it worse is I'm a deist. I'm not even Muslim anymore. Living in such a society that doesn't accept different opinions or beliefs is suicidal. I, I wish just to have the opportunity to travel far from here, alone, just to unveil my face and experiencing running free. It would be a huge thing to do before I get so old for that, too. Ah, oh, fuck. I'm 23 years old from Saudi Arabia. I am an ab ambitious woman. My dream was to study abroad, but my family wouldn't allow me so that I couldn't go. It is painful when you try to achieve something and the ones who turn you down are the ones that are closest to you. Who should feel you and respect your wishes? I have no passport. I've never been out of Saudi Arabia and I only want to go out of the house and I only go out of the house to do shopping twice a month or once in a month. I feel depressed because I am afraid to see time pass away without doing the things I dream of every day. I hope to be free and make my own decisions as an adult, as a human. I have many to tell, but I wanted to tell the less of this much injustice on women in my country. Some women come from rich families. They are free, travel any time they want and generalize by saying Saudi women are satisfied and live like queens. Well, the real deal is that we live far away from being queens, much like slaves. Hi, Isaac. Thank you for your support of our demands. That's my pleasure. No problem. To end male guardianship in Saudi Arabia. My name is blank, and I'm a man and a Saudi citizen. The problem with this law is, is is that it isn't in Islam, so there is nothing like this in the Quran or Prophet Muhammad Hadiths. The issue is in the people's minds who think this is in Islam, while it is based on their traditions on looking to grown women like a minor person or a cause of shame. I'm a man, and I'm against this law in these minds. I'm a son of a smart woman who didn't study when she was younger. I'm a brother of whose sisters who suffer from this difficult mind in, in their husbands. I'm a husband of a woman who I don't want her to suffer after me when I die. I don't, I, I know some women who suffer physically and mentally from their male guardianship, who is sometimes a kid, wants their money in return for permission to complete their education. This is not a humanist law. This is not 
rights. This is not human rights. We have difficult minds here who say bad things about us just for our demands to end this inhumane law. Women here don't drive and don't have the ability to do their own rights, to do their own things. And I think this is just wrong. Dear Isaac, thank you for supporting us. As a Saudi, I was married to a horrible man who used to beat me until I bleed from my nose. Only time I could go to the hospital was when I ran away while he was asleep. The doctors there asked me who did this. I told them it was my husband, and they didn't care and didn't call the police. I felt like it was a common thing, and they didn't even have sympathy. I asked to have a note to proof that I was beaten, they said, I need to call a police first. So I did. The officers asked where, where was my guardian. I told him at home and I ran away. He said, you need to come with us with a male relative, a mahram. I said, oh my God, I have no one. My father is dead. My brother was only eight years old. So I went to my mother's house. I knew there was no one used and, and no one can help me. After years of suffering, I decided to divorce him. It was the most painful year of my life I spent going to court. They said, since I have no proofs that he was a bad husband, I have to pay him money to get a divorce. I paid him 30,000 Saudi rubles. Or, uh, I, I don't know the name. I don't know why I said rubles. I don't know the name. Uh, to get my freedom. Until now, I still go to court because he doesn't want to pay for his kids. I couldn't enroll my daughter in school because I am a mother and not the father. I had to beg him to bring her ID and, and enroll her. I can't live in this country as a single mother. Everything is against me. Because we are banned from driving, you can't imagine how much I need to pay for drivers just to go to my job and for kids' schools. I was literally begging people to lend me. I have to give to my ex-husband my kids because I couldn't give them the life they deserve. My life would be easier if I lived somewhere else. I have a master's degree, but I yet I can't have a peaceful life. No guarantee for women here. Our lives are miserable. Only very rich people can have a, a decent life in this country. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm suffocating. Saudi women deserve a better life. We are treated like we were criminals, just to be punished all the time. When I tweet, I feel so scared. What if they know who I am? I don't want to be arrested just because I asked the least of my rights. Unfortunately, no one cares about us, not the government, not men, not even other countries that believe in justice. We are so scared to even speak up. I always get threatened by some people in Twitter to stop tweeting about my rights or else. Sorry to talk so much. I just wish I don't belong in this hell. Many thanks. Hey, I have recently found your profile and I read all the treats. We appreciate your support and attempt to help. A few years ago, I used to work in a big hospital in the capital city of Riyadh. I have heard all kind of scary stories of abuse, women who refuse to file charges, and even admit what happened to them. Between the suicide attempts, burning victims, and abandoned mothers in the hospital, I don't know which stories to tell. I will mention a few stories that have made me rethink everything. A woman in her 50s was cooking lunch to her husband 
and kits, and she was missing a few ingredients. She went next door to her neighbor's house, hoping to get everything very quickly, hoping the food would be ready on time. She came home to find her husband very angry for not knowing where she was. He punished her by breaking both her legs with a hammer. She came to the ER four hours later, after she begged him to take her. She told the nurse this story while she was alone and crying, but she denied everything later when the husband was present. Lovely. That's good. Hello there, Isaac, and I appreciate what you're doing for the Saudi women. You're so kind. Yeah, I don't know if I'm kind, but no problem. Let me tell you about what living in hell means. For me, I have three stories I can tell you, plus my own, my two friends, and my sister. Mine is pretty simple. I don't know what you really want to read about, but I'll give you all I have. First of all, I want to say that even though this is an unfair law of guardianship, even if it got deleted, we would still face a great power that society has on us. We still face injustices, injustices because there are not enough laws that benefit us and protect our rights as human beings. So my first story is simple. I'm an atheist and I can never announce it. Here, as you know, I could never live my life free as a non-Muslim, and even if I didn't speak out and criticize Islam. My, my family would prison me, and I hardly can leave the house, and I can never leave alone. I can't even have social relationships. I can't visit my friends that I've known for years, and I can't do anything about it. I just face them by my demand and get in trouble for it. I can't remove my veil for sure. I have to cover my face, even though it's not forbidden to not cover my face. I don't even have a choice in that. I can't, I can't meet males, male friends, even in public. The law forbids that and the religious police will charge us. I love music and I wish to learn it and play it. I have a guitar hidden at my brother's wardrobe. Right after my mom took it from me, she discovered it the first time. I never have a private time to play it, and of course if I got caught, I could get in big trouble. My first friend's story, she's 23, firstborn, happens to be a girl, not as her parents wished, even though her brother is only one year younger as she was growing up. As a kid, her father used to discipline her by hitting her and screaming at her, and he still does that. He treats her badly for the silliest reasons. He threatens her by everything, death, thrown on the streets, prison at home, not letting her go to school anymore. And her and her sister, the 20-year-old, every time they get into a conflict about everything. She's talented, and I'll send you a drawing she made that she wants you to share with the world. She send this message with it. Uh, just so you know, I, I did share that drawing. And if you guys want to look up, just look up Saudi Atheist with my tag. And uh, I shared that drawing that was sent to me here. Almost every Saudi girl is represented by this drawing, she said. She finished college just this year after five years in something she was forced to study. She, she wanted to study drawing and arts. She finished um, arts, but her family re refuses for nothing. They just won't allow many things for her just because they say so. As I was saying, she couldn't study arts, and even if she signed up for art school simply... Her father will prison her at home. She'll never manage to go once her father hit her so badly 
and dragged her down the stairs because her little brother told him that she says that music is not haram and it's okay to listen to and to enjoy it. Even though her father is not that religious, she also has a hidden violin somewhere under her bed. She wishes to have at least private room for her alone, but her parents won't allow it even though there's an empty room in the house. You might think those girls have stupid and silly dreams, but I wish to show that that's how fucked up it is over here, how shitty our lives are. We have nothing but small little dreams that we will never get. Can you see that? Can you imagine that? Please answer this. What do you think of that? I think that's a terrible thing. I, um, it makes me upset when I think about it. Another two incidents happened to this girl. She got late staying in college for an exam, and there were no college buses as usual, and her father refused to pick her up from there and won't let her come home in a taxi, because why the heck were there no buses? It's your fault. She got sick at home for two days. She couldn't move of stomach ache, and she couldn't go to the hospital because there weren't any male adults to take her, and they didn't even get convinced to do so when they got back home until another two hours went by. We fear everything, our families, our society, our laws. You never trust that you'll get protected or ever feel safe. We all live in fear, all the time. I'm sure I can't do shit about it because my existence is against the law for being an ex-Muslim, and this friend of mine can't even leave the house without permission. Where should she go to tell her suffering and ask for help? How will she prove anything by any ways? And how will they protect her if they believed her? By putting her in a new jail that they made? Where she can't leave, where, where she wants to, where it has strict laws about everything. She's an ex-Muslim too. So fuck her and fuck me. Now fuck this country for supporting this shit. And it's gotten so carried away. Hey, so I know my story isn't the worst that it can be, or much of a story at all, and I know that it, I have it far better than most, but I thought I should at least share it in case I never actually managed to leave this godforsaken country. To keep it simple and sweet, I'm just a girl who never believed in a family full of racist Muslims. I'm not even kidding. My mom's response to the Nice attack was, Why do they attack France? Why don't they go and kill the Jews? <laughs> I'm currently trying to start my education back up so I can hopefully leave this shithole of a country. But there is one thing standing in my way. My dad, I can't leave on a scholarship without my guardian's consent. And my dad thinks that I'm being ridiculous when I tell my mom about my ambitions. He keeps saying, girl of insert family here should never leave their homes. My father, my brothers uh, don't seem to mind the notion of me studying outside the country, but that's not all I'm planning to do. I want to live there. I want to feel free. I want to be free. I don't want to be afraid of my own family. It's the only way out for me. I can't stay here much longer. I'd probably get myself killed with my big mouth. It's not like I haven't been threatened by my mother before. She told me when I hinted at me not being very Muslim that she would not 
hesitate to report me if she found out that I was an apostate. That's... That's nice. Thanks, Mom. I told my brother, but he just made fun of me crying about it all like it to say that I'm brainwashed by the, the, the West whenever I bring up uh, basic human rights. Uh, he doesn't believe me when I tell him about the laws against apostates. They think I'm stupid or brainwashed. I do not know what to do anymore. I've pretty much given up by now. There's not much I can do but wait. The Stop Enslaving Saudi Women hashtag has given me hope that one day I can leave and that maybe one day I can live a life of my own full of choices and a life where I can choose whichever profession I so damn please. But I'm not sure this hashtag is going to do much about changing the attitude this country holds where I told my mom and dad about the hashtag and they said it was <laughs> imposters trying to destroy our country. I've heard people tell me this, that that's what they say. I didn't think that was actually true. That's, that's tough to swallow. They said that it was the Jews. Of oh, fucking course it was the Jews with these guys in parentheses. <laughs> Trying to corrupt my precious young mind. They told me to shut up and go watch cartoons. My dad even tried to take my phone away from me, but my mom stopped him. I, I don't know. I'm only a child. I shouldn't have to think about any of this, but I'm forced to. I'm forced to grow up far too early in a country that hates me and wants me dead. I was never allowed to have a proper childhood. I was fucking molested when I was nine, but I can't tell anyone because then I would need three eyewitnesses, and where the fuck would I get those? They'd just brand me a liar and ostracize me. The country needs to step the fuck out of the fourth century and fix this shit up. I'm so tired of being patient. I want to change, and I want it now. So much for keeping it short and sweet. I know this is all over the place, but I never was a writer, and I hope I made some form of sense. Yes, you did. Thank you for sharing your story. I'm 28 years old, and I'm a divorced mother. I teach in a university and had to go abroad to complete my higher education. When I told my dad, he refused to let me go. I spent five years begging him, and my brothers finally, one of them, one of my brothers, agreed, but he asked me to give him 10,000 Saudi currency monthly. I accepted and went to the bank to get a loan. He and his family went with me and lived with me in a small apartment. I could not uncover my face there in the UK. I had to uncover it because I faced some harassments. He hit me when I asked for his permission to do that. He hit me till I fainted. After six months, I had to go back to Saudi to renew my visa, and now he said he will not go again with me. I told my dad, and then he said, you will not go anywhere. I told him I need to complete it, just to have, I just still have a year left. I, I will get my master's, but he refused to give me my permission, and when I told him that I will go to court, even though I know they will not help me, he and two of my brothers hit me in front of my son, and my little boy was crying. They tied me with ropes for a night, and then untied me and imprisoned me for two days with no bathroom. I asked the maid to give my mom's cell phone to call police, and she did, but their reaction was slow. My brother took my cell phone, passport, and ID, and bank card. Later, my mom opened the door, and she forgot the door open. I ran away and broke my brother's car 
to get my bag and my ID. I ran away to my sister's home. My father and my brothers came to take me to jail because I'm a rebel. My sister convinced them to keep me with her. A day after, my nephew brought my son. After 48 hours, the police called me again. I withdrew it. I'm afraid they will take my son and give him to my to his dad. I'm so exhausted and can't stand any troubles. Besides, if the police take me, they will send me to, his care, to a care house for girls, where I will spend my whole life if my guardian refused to take me home. My brothers hit me when I asked my brothers hit me when I asked someone to bring things for me or my son, and at the same time they refused to take me to finish what I need. My in my body there are signs from seven months when my brother hit me in the UK. My dad hates me because I saw him having sex from our, with our previous maid, and he's still sexually harassing the new maid. Because I'm divorced and not a virgin anymore. They don't allow me to go anywhere alone, and they check my cell phone to see if I have any relationship with men. When I was away in the UK for six months, I could not take my son with me even though I had custody because his father did not give him approval. I left him with my mom, but he was affected badly crying for his lost appetite two years ago. I went out wearing gloves when my brother saw me. He hit me, or when I went out without wearing gloves. My brother saw me, and when my brother saw me, he hit me and dragged me home. When I was about 12 years, my brother harassed me sexually, and when I told my mom, she said, if you tell anyone, I will let you see what happens. I'm 26, and I graduated from college. I got accepted into the Saudi scholarships program for higher education and couldn't go because my father said no. I don't have a job. My father abandoned me and doesn't give me money. I couldn't find a job. My mom humiliates me for the money she gives me. She throws the money on the floor and says that she saved me from the misfortune because nobody wants me. She hurts me, insults me, and humiliates me because I don't have a job. Although I am excellent and have good grades, I was prevented from achieving my goals, my dreams, because of a man who happens to be my father. Sometimes I think of committing suicide, but I'm scared of the oblivion and the unknown. I'm suffering from severe depression, mental and family issues, abuse, death threats, beating, spying, and my fate is still unknown. Well, I hope you don't commit suicide. Uh, that would be a bad um, thing. None of you deserve that. None of you. Oh. I'm 19 years old, and unfortunately I still have no freedom. I don't have the freedom of movement, the freedom of speech, the freedom of expressing myself. I'm almost 20, and I still can't go outside the house without my mom or my dad or both of them. So it's not only about the permission, I can't even go out alone, or with anyone but my dad or my mom. Can you imagine that I can't go out with friends, my friends? I try to remember something interesting in my teenage years, but there's nothing. They were empty, only with sickness and depression. Can you imagine that? There is no man that can see me, and I can't even talk with males or communicate with them. But one day there is someone, and I don't know who, and I don't know why, they will propose, and my dad's going to decide. I don't have an option. I love singing. I was a child. I sing all the time. Yeah, I know nothing about music because we don't learn it here. It's forbidden. Most of the arts are forbidden as well. 
So a girl appearing and singing, this is a double mistake and double haram. It's not only about religion, it's also about tribal issues, because I'm from a famous tribe, but I didn't choose my tribe, I didn't choose my religion, and I didn't choose my nationality. What is what is my fault? My fault is I'm Muslim, but I believe in the original version of Islam, not in its distorted version. I recently created an account on Instagram, and I have no followers, but I decided to face my fear and post my pictures. It was too scary. I can't explain it. But I did it. It's going to be a huge problem for me if my family knows. My dad keeps an eye on me all the time, looks after me, like I'm just going to do something wrong or chat with a guy or share my pics. There's a lot of wrongs here. I'm 28 and I've never gone to a park alone. I'm 28 and I've never gone out with my friends and anybody that is not my cousins. I've never ate at a restaurant. I can only order and eat at home. I don't have a college degree because my father said no. One of my dreams is to ride a bike. One of my dreams is to go to the gym. When I told my father, he yelled at me because women performing sports is considered a taboo. I'm 28 and I've never seen the sea in real life. I'm 28. Can you believe that number? I'm supposed to have lived and enjoyed my life in the years of my irresponsible youth. My 20s are supposed to be the best years of my life, but nothing like that happened. My life after graduated high school is the same life I'm living right now. Can you believe it? Ten years of my life are gone, with the wind, with nothing. <sighs> okay. So those are all the stories. So let's, uh, let's talk about how one gets out of this country. The borders are checked at almost every outlet. I don't know how the Yemen border looks. It's probably really risky to go to Yemen. I couldn't imagine that being smart. And unless you had a boat or a plane to get out of there, I couldn't see how that would be successful for you anyways. Uh, the Bahrain borders are littered with checkpoints. The uh, Iraq border, I don't know uh, it well enough, but I imagine it's just as guarded as everybody else. Every Everywhere I've read, there's even a Reddit for this. Um, it's called I Want Out of Saudi Arabia or something like that. Um, and everywhere I've read is these borders are really, really, really heavily guarded. Um, there are a couple of ways you can get out. One of them is by getting permission to travel and, you know, tricking your parents by giving you permission to travel to some other country, having money, and then going to a different country afterwards. But the toughest part is you have to have someone either give you asylum, uh, the best place I've heard is Canada for atheists, um, or you have to find someone that is willing to marry you, because otherwise people don't want unnecessary problems with the Saudi government, and they will export you back if they find you, and it's, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good at all. Um, another route of getting out is uh, through some of the plane systems, uh, I've heard it's complicated, but some of these uh, people, they help get people out that have expired visas that are there. Because if you try and get out with an expired visa, you'll get thrown in prison until your sponsor takes you. Um, and if your sponsor didn't renew your visa, then you're going to get them in trouble, potentially. Um, so I've heard of people being smuggled out through like sightseeing corporations and stuff like that. But... 
it's still very difficult and I'm sure you could get in trouble for it. I don't know how easy it is to do. Um, the, the only other way that I, I know of that you can get out is that, um, your male guardian's phone, you'll, you'll have to steal it and you'll have to know their national ID number. Um, so write it down at some point and steal their phone. They'll have a password required on their phone to do the permission system. This is assuming that you already have a passport and this is assuming that they are, have renewed your passport within like the last five years. Uh, otherwise they won't be able to use the system. Um, so you have this application on their phone. With their ID, you're able to reset the password because it gets sent to the phone and you can just put in whatever password you need. Then you'll have to give yourself permission and then you'll have to give yourself permission again once you get on the plane or once you are at the, the gate for the plane. It's going to send you a text and you're going to have to give yourself permission again. Um, so, yeah, that is the only way that I know of that you can get out. All right, last section. So how, how soon do I think this is going to end? My personal theory is rather hopeful uh, because this is the quickest route that I could see it being done. And if it's done any other route, I think it's going to take very much longer. And I don't want you guys to suffer like that. And I don't want anybody to suffer like that. Um, so I think the best route is despite your wishes to get further from the Saudi regime, my uh, viewers that are heavy atheists and just want to completely abandon it, one, they have petrodollars system. And if they, if we made them real enemies, you have no comprehension of the kind of havoc that system can wreak on not only our economy, but the global economy. Like you genuinely don't comprehend a, a global Great Depression that could occur if, if, if pushed to that kind of limit, um, by our former allies. Uh, the second thing is the Saudis have always been responsible stewards of oil and they have not let, uh, politics or anything like that become, uh, you know, reasons to, uh, hedge or raise or play with, um, the, the oil prices. The only time they've messed with the oil prices is when it's been a response to Iran, like recently with the nuclear deal, and they're going to be getting their own oil markets. They wanted to hurt Iran, so they recently flooded the markets at a pretty large uh, damage to themselves, but they wanted to hurt Iran, and they did. Almost all of Saudi's policies in the past 30, 40 years have been about containing Iran, have been about pushing back on Iran. So if we push back on Iran, not telling you to go to war with them, but if we solve Syria, if we help with Yemen, if we stop them from arming uh, Shia um, groups inside of Bahrain and uh, in inside of Saudi Arabia spilling over, you will see the best Saudi relations with the United States in decades. Much like when we were in 1962, us and Britain put pressure on the Saudi government to end slavery. And guess what? They ended slavery. So we have tangible results of when we were at good influences with the Saudi government. And when you're at good influences with them, th th this becomes a easy PR win for them because this is an un-Islamic law. When they get rid of the law, it's going to be a big win for them. 
our next president, most likely, in my opinion, Hillary Clinton, will not be able to win a re-election without this kind of law uh, being abolished. Um, but it also, it, it would be a part of her whatever quote-unquote legacy, and I think there's real precedent right now for it to be removed, especially considering 2010 and 2013, it was already said by the Saudi government it was going to be removed. Uh, 2013 is right when Syria happened, the chemical uh, gas bombing and that we didn't follow through on. I'm sure that played a huge role into it. And in 2010, that was right around the time uh, where the Arab Spring started, I believe. So these these things, both times, I mean, everything is connected, guys. Uh, I assure you, all of this is interconnected. Um, the Saudis have an economic strength on us. We have a military strength. Uh, and our relationship is symbiotic. This is not rocket science. If we get closer to these people, we will be able to reform more things. We will be able to influence more things. Because despite the uh, reality here, the KSA has not been the religious insane government that people think it is. It has a lot of religiously conservative and insane people inside of its um, uh, state that uh, are willing to protest the driving of women and stuff like that. But the Saudi government itself is uh, its not secular, but it's not irrational. It's a very rational actor, and uh, it, it attempts to keep its religious extremists at bay with its ulema, etc., etc., so I think in a good case scenario, we could end this in two years, a bad case, eight years. Um, and that's me being optimistic. Uh, bleak outcomes, I'm not going to go over them because I don't think they're uh, potentially going to happen. I think this is going to be the route that's most likely going to happen um, because I don't see Trump winning now with these poll results that he has. And... I don't see us becoming enemies with Saudi Arabia, so I don't think we're going to have to deal with that bleak outcome. Um, so I hope, I'm very hopeful, and um, we're going to make a lot of noise in the meantime. We're going to make sure a lot more people know about this issue, and that a lot more people are aware of just how mistreated you, you women are over there. Anyways, I... Uh, I hope this podcast was informative about a very serious issue that I uh, care a lot about. And I hope you all have gained something out of this. And thank you all, um, you women, for sending in your stories. Thank you so much.